The EC Podcast exists to equip believers to make disciples and love others for the glory of Jesus Christ. My name is Bobby Payne, and welcome to episode number 33, Should We Be Biblical or Christ-like? With me today is Pastor Aaron Case, Pastor Jonathan Mitchell, and Pastor Gary Singleton. Gentlemen, welcome. Hey, good to be back. What's Thank up? you. It's What's good up, to see Bobby? you. Glad to be here with you guys again. Uh, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Um, but we are back by popular band, mostly by family members. Hey, That's a lie. Our families <laughs> don't even listen. <laughs> well, what we did figure out is there's... There yeah, are some people right. that do listen, and God we're mad you. at us for saying that there are only three of them. Yes. So we we do appreciate you. Exactly. <laughs> that we is repent. exactly right. <laughs> well, listen, we've got a topic that we're wanting to discuss today. And before we kick it off, um, I'm going to read a quote by Stephen Matson, uh, and then we're going to jump right into it, okay? Sounds good. So here we go. It says, A warning to all Christians. Of all the things Satan could have used to destroy Christ, he decided to tempt Jesus with the Bible. In the same way, Satan will attack Christianity by tricking people into believing they're being biblical, when in reality, they aren't being Christ-like at all. To be Christ-like is to love your neighbor as yourself. To be biblical is to quote verses that align with your personal agendas and contextualize scripture according to your own opinions. Too many people are being biblical without being Christ-like. May God help us sacrificially love others to the best of our ability. Mm-hmm. And again, that was Stephen Matson, And you saw, you heard the two words in there multiple times, Christ-like and biblical. And I'm just going to open it up. I think, Johnny, you're going to kick us off here. Yeah, th- this is something that I've personally noticed a little bit in maybe my circle of friends and people that, I, that I've known for basically my entire life. But you're starting to see this. It's basically a false division that shouldn't be there of, you know, putting the Bible at odds with Jesus. Mm. And I, I don't know, I, I don't want to say that Mr. Matson's doing that purposefully, but it, it seems intentional. And I think it's important that we address what's going on here because he, he says a couple of things that are really important to dive into. I think that's what we'll spend most of our time doing. For one, he says that Satan uses the Bible, which is true. Satan uses God's word and corrupts it and distorts it. That's what he does in Genesis three. But then immediately following, he says what Satan will do is try to make people think that they're being biblical. I think that that's certainly true, but being biblical isn't opposed to being Christ-like. And I think that's where we really want to make sure we, uh, these things are understood today because what I would say is everything that he is stating as being biblical would, I would say that's being a hypocrite, (laughs) not being biblical. Uh, because to be biblical, if you really truly read it and trust God's word as authoritative, uh, inspired, inerrant, infallible, then to be biblical would be to be Christ-like. Because at the very, at the very foundation of it, all of it from Genesis to Revelation is Christ's word. And so I can't be Christ-like and not be biblical. 
And on the other side, I can't be biblical and not be Christ-like. And so I think this is important because a lot of times what's happening is we, we kind of know, we, we've read the article that this was from where it ultimately leads to, but a lot of what's going on is uh, this group of Christians, especially that we're seeing, are trying to basically pit all the words of Scripture that aren't in quote-unquote red letters uh, against one another. So you have the words of Moses, Isaiah, David, Paul, Peter, and then you have the words of Christ and they elevate the words of Christ. Um, which is funny because they don't elevate all the words of Christ, <laughs> but we, we want to, we want to interact a little bit with that today. Uh, is that yeah. maybe cool where I kind of leave that? I want to yeah. let you all talk yeah. a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one distinction that we need to make right at the beginning is um, the text has one meaning, right? The, the text has one meaning, and we find that in context, um, reading it as it was written, you know, into its original audience by context. That's how we figure out what the, what the words of uh, Scripture actually mean. But there is many applications in regards to the text. So what I think uh, Mr. Madsen, is that his name? Yeah. Um, is confusing as the application with the meaning. You cannot simply just say, this is what Jesus meant here, or this is what Paul was writing here, um, and just completely rip it out of its context, and it just be as valid as what he actually wrote. So that's trouble, because there's only one meaning, right? And we can discover that by by careful exegesis and work. Um, but again, there are many applications. Well, how do we know that? How do we know what Jesus said? How do we know what Jesus is like? Well, we got to go to the Bible, right? And so he's kind of cutting his own feet off, you know, at the ankles <laughs> and losing any sort of foundation he could ever have because then you make Jesus into something who, or someone who is just simply, um, you know, whoever we want to make him into. And I, you know, I know we'll get into that in a minute, but I believe the underlying issue is trying to sneak past some of the Bible's teaching in regards to what is actual sin and what is not. Yeah, right. that's right. Amen. Um, as I was reading the article, it's just, uh, the scripture came to my mind, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for, uh, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And I, I just, uh, I thought about, uh, you know, all scripture, you know, at this time uh, that it was written, Paul, the new Testament hadn't been written yet. And Paul, um, under the inspiration of God, uh, knew that all the everything the apostles were doing at that time, you know, had meaning. It was biblical. It was, it was from God. It was from the uh, under the inspiration of God, and it all came together under the inspiration of God. Um, it all fit together. If you read the Bible carefully, you will see that it all fits together from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Um, all scripture and that's just what came through my mind as I was reading it and just um, to reiterate what my brother Aaron was saying you have to use the historical literary context of the of, of scripture to to uh, to get um, the context of scripture it has um, a one context but as, as my brother Aaron said you know many applications like it but it has you can't take some take 
God's word out of context and then um, use it for your own agenda, for what you uh, want it to say. And I think that may be, uh, in a sense, um, what some, what Mr. Matson is that his name? Correct. You know, maybe trying to, <laughs> maybe trying to um, get at, but that's not that's not what uh, God's people do. It, there's there's one context. Uh, you can't take historical literary context of the Bible. Like you have to use that. Like there's no getting around that. There's no um, taking that out or adding to it to somehow fit your agenda. Um, your uh, which it, I think we're going to get to um, at the end of the um, uh, article. You know, we kind of get a understanding of wh- of what uh, the true meaning of that article is. But I, I think we'll get there. It, do you guys think this is a result of years and years of people finding ways to twist the scripture to fit their agenda, whatever it is? And we're living in a time to where, like, that's everywhere. And so what I what I see when I you know look at that quote is oh my goodness you know he's using words like biblical or Christ like oh my gosh maybe I am doing this and I'm not being Christ like because I'm not loving a certain group of people or doing something a certain way and and, and if we're not grounded and foundational this could really stagger some people which is the reason why I think we're talking about it today right yeah I think what what people look at is uh, they think about the love of Christ, um, how he dined with tax collectors and sinners, you know, how he, he, he did have compassion on people. And so they want to take only those little parts of who Jesus is, which are wonderful parts of who Jesus is and make that what is being Christ-like, but really think about it. What makes Christ who he is? It's that for one, He's obedient to the Father's will, as we discussed today at church, even unto death, uh, for the sins of his people. Um, he died for the sins of his people. Sin has grave consequences. Um, think about when he is tempted by the devil, and think about how Jesus responds. He doesn't respond by just being like, well, I am me. He responds by using the word of God. When the devil tempts him to turn the rocks into bread, he says, man must not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so Jesus would see being Christ-like as being a biblical person, walking according to the word of God, knowing that we need the word of God more than we need physical food. Um, And man, how our lives would change if we truly believe that. But I think to your point, Bobby, that is, they're taking little bits and pieces. I think it's a C.S. Lewis quote that basically says, you know, either Jesus was a maniac, a devil, or he is Lord. He, you can't, he's not just a good teacher and a, a, just a good example because a good example doesn't claim to be God almighty when he's not. Uh, but we know that Jesus is, was, and is, and evermore will be. And so when he does what he does, when he says what he says, thinks about how he responds when people are asking about marriage and divorce. He goes back to Genesis 2. He's constantly quoting scripture. He's uh, thinking about uh, David when he's questioned um, by the Pharisees and religious leaders. He goes back and quotes Psalms. And so obviously there's a high view of scripture in Jesus's life himself. And it's because it's his word. And we want to obey his word 
trusting that as we obey God's word, that's what God uses to transform us more and more into the image of Jesus. Amen. Jesus had the highest view of scripture. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, how many times did he, did he quote it and hold men to it? And to see, even say that he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Right. Um, so I, I think this goes back to an issue that's, that's kind of fresh on our minds, you know, not, not to get on a rabbit trail, but there was a, uh, you know, a, a former Tennessee football player tweeted something in regards to one of the tragedies that happened recently. And, you know, he, he said, this man, you know, said he was a Christian, you know, and went through all these things that this guy was who did this horrible, horrible thing. And, and I was sitting there thinking, you know, and I, and I looked down through the thread and all the responses to it and, you know, some people did did a good job responding, so they didn't need my input. But I think this is the this goes into what you were saying, Bobby. A big issue with our world today is simply thinking you can identify as something, and that's what you are. Hmm. Well, it means something to be Christian. It means something to be Christ-like. It doesn't mean that you take what you like of Christ and throw away the rest. You know, it doesn't mean that you. You take what you're comfortable with and just discard all that you don't feel good about. And so um, how do we do that? How do we know that? We have the same view, as Johnny was saying, he was alluding to, we have the same view of Scripture that Jesus did, higher view than than Mr. Madsen does. Um, in regards to knowing who Jesus is, this is how we know. I mean, this this echoes back to the whole Andy Stanley unhitching from the Old Testament thing. Because there was difficulties people had with believing in the Exodus or, or, you know, that the seas were parted or, you know, Red Sea was parted. All, all these other biblical stories, you know, so we don't have to worry about that. Let's just get to Jesus. Let's just take him to Jesus. And let's just, you know, all they need is the resurrection. That's what that, you know, and then we'll work on the rest later. No, 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 no. No, it's all of it. It's all of it. It's not that we take a little bit of Jesus and then, you know, sprinkle that in and then you're good or you just get your fire insurance. That's this whole man-centered gospel that is garbage and it's created stuff just like this. We've ran away from Jesus Christ and his lordship over every area of life. We've run away from it. We've said we can take what we want and get rid of the rest. Jesus is love. That's it. Let's be like Jesus. Well, let, let me tell you something. Jesus was there in Leviticus mm-hmm. when these laws were written that you don't like. He was at... The, the right hand of the Father at that moment. And he was also there inspiring Scripture through his Holy Spirit when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 6, condemning all the sins that we're involved in today, even the ones that we find, you know, reprehensible, but maybe the ones that we're involved in ourselves. So to know what you need to be saved from, you need to know the whole book. And to understand who Jesus is, the Savior, you need to know the book as well. I think it's interesting. You guys are talking, I'm listening, I'm scrolling through this article. And he said, you know, he is kind of uh, against what we're talking about today, but he says it in this article for us. This is pretty interesting. He says, in a complex society increasingly skeptical about claims related to absolute truth and indisputable facts, it's increasingly hard to use the Bible to support anything without coming across as biased and prejudiced. I know. (laughs) It is. Right, yeah. Because the Bible is prejudiced and biased towards holiness. That's what, <laughs> like, thank you. Right. You said it for us. Yeah. Like, we, we know that. And, right. and we stand on that claim. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's interesting you say that, Bob, because I was I was um, listening to my brothers and I was thinking, you know, how to convey what I want to say. If you want to be Christ-like, um, then you have to be biblical, the, the, all all the scripture. And I I was thinking about like you know you know did. It, I had to Google it to make sure I got this right. <laughs> <laughs> Gave it the but, Google. It's a yeah. But, you know, there are over 162 uh, references in the New Testament about hell. Over 70, set, that's more um, than any other um, writer. Um, over 70 references of these were made by the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is warning us over and over and over again about sin. Um, uh, sin, my, my brother was talking about today, sin, you know, you know, sinners are going to be thrown into the fiery furnace where they'll be weeping, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, there's, it's a, um, you don't get to throw that out is what my point is. Like you, you can't just take the, um, well, God is God is love. Yes, God is love, but God is also wrath. He is also um, righteous and just in everything that He does, and sin is going to be justly judged uh, someday, um, and uh, and there will be a reckoning, and it's a uh, and that's that's Jesus Christ. That's biblical. That's Christ-like, um, and it's a you know a terrifying thought, but it, but it seems to me this is this is also the point I'm trying to get at. Um, I hate how I try to make things longer than they should, but um, <laughs> uh, people so desperately want to make excuses for their sin that they want to um, throw out. Um, they want to just get what what fits their agenda, what fits their um, beliefs, and not um, and not take it as a whole. Like not um, the the Bible from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, talks about Jesus Christ. It makes it references Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ and Jesus more than any other writer. Um, made references to hell um, in his in uh, in the New Testament, uh, warning us, you know, to be um, uh, to not not take this lightly. Um, homosexuality is a sin. Swindling, swindlers, uh, lying, uh, cheating, uh, adultery—these are sins. You don't get to make excuses for them. They're um, they're going to be judged justly someday. Well, they they want Jesus' salvation without considering him Lord. Like they want to still be Lord. That's what it is. And I and that's that's what we were talking about before in the pre show. You know, I, I don't understand why other than to destroy Christianity and it just kinda of hit me that more liberal Christianity even exists because they they undermine their only authority. But then 
then I guess while we're talking, it just kind of come to me thinking, well, they're like everyone else. They're Romans one. They're denying their creator. They're sub, they're, uh, they're suppressing that knowledge. And what they're wanting is they know that they need salvation. They know that they need to be made right with God. So what they've done is they've made God into their own image. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that's a God that cannot save. That's yeah. a God that will only damn them. And, and that leads to the kind of thinking that comes into this article. Yeah, they want to be freed from the penalty of sin without being freed from the power of it because they, they love it. And, and I think that's something that we all truly battle. Like right. uh, to be freed from the power of sin, to trust that Jesus is strong enough to save, not just fully and finally. He is certainly able to do that uh, in eternity, but here now to free me from the power of sin's dominion in, in my life. And, and I'm thinking just as we're talking about this to I'm thinking about the words of Christ and when he's praying his high priestly prayer and in, in John 17 and, and praying for his followers, praying for his disciples, praying for his people. Notice what he prays to the father in, in verse 17. He's praying father, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. I, I love that. You know, he could have said anything, um, but he says, your word is truth. And that is how his followers, the followers of Christ will be set apart or made holy and made into the image of Christ is by the word of God. Um, in, in that article, it talks about how the Bible is not, uh, what saves us. Um, and to a certain degree, I see what he's saying, but I think it's important to understand that we would not know, we would not know the gospel if it were not for God graciously revealing in his word, what is the gospel. And it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so that's the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And so when, when we're thinking about being biblical, I do want to be biblical. I do want to be Christ-like. And I think those two things are pretty much interchangeable at this point as we see this. And, and I noticed like in, in this, in this thing that trying to separate those two things is basically diminishing the work that Jesus came to do. He, he came to fulfill the law. He came to put down forever what he, what he was sent to do. Mm-hmm. You know, John three seventeen. the, that Jesus came into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Uh, I, I thank God that that's written in his word. Amen. <laughs> I, I thank God. I know that that's because right. of his word. Um, and I would not know it otherwise. And, and so I think it's important that we are a people of the word from front to back all the way through when it's tough. It's because the problems with me, not with God. And that's what we have to remember is there's times where I'm I, honestly, I get uncomfortable. And when I get uncomfortable, I know I need to pray. I know I need to repent because it's something in me, not in God. The the liberalism behind it is so interesting to me because, you know, this particular article and, and any other one you can find on any sort of media outlet is, you know, be Christ-like, but not biblical. Well, it, it's as if they know who Christ is. Like, they're you know, they hang out right. and yeah. know him personally. Yeah. But obviously, with the, I don't know where they're getting their idea right. from well, if it's yeah. not biblical. Yeah. Like, where, it's where very he, interesting. Where does he get the idea of love your neighbor as yourself? Exactly. Well, honestly, it's Gnostic. It's almost like there's a secret knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and you have to be in their club to know it. But what, what's interesting is, um, 
<laughs> the kind of hypocrisy that runs mad throughout this article is this. You know, it, it says that, you know, the KKK can be justified, uh, slavery can be justified, um, you know, the subjection of women, all these things can be justified through the scripture. And, and it's interesting um, because no, they can't. Absolutely no, they can't. But what they would rather do is those texts that we've, that we've just run off for you, like especially 1 Corinthians 6, they would do away with, mm-hmm. you know? So by what authority do you do that, my friend? Like, sir, can you tell me by which authority that you just cast aside what Jesus has placed in his word, mm-hmm. right? So again, you're cutting out your own legs underneath you. And when you try to say that the Bible is not our standard, well, if it's all subjective, then there is no truth. This discussion matters. Jesus doesn't matter, and you don't matter. We're all animals. We're all created by um, just some some sort of random uh, accident, and you have no purpose. You have no dignity. You have no worth, so who cares? But what we would say is, because the Word of God is true, because the Word of God is the Word of God, we have the strongest foundation to stand upon. We have a reason to love one another. We actually have a reason to love one another. We know what a man and a woman is. We know what marriage is. We know what sin against God, uh, what the result of that is. And we know what salvation is. Well, you cannot tell me those things simply from a like gnosis or a Gnostic idea of secret knowledge. You go to the book, right? You go to the Bible, and that's the only place for us well, to find that. And think about... Why, why would you spend all your time basically denying the, the truth of Scripture, the authority of Scripture, and then claim Scripture to support what you believe? Right. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, don't, don't be biblical, so don't believe what the Bible says about, well, we can go down the list, what it says about slavery and what it says about women and what it says about homosexuality or sexuality, uh, anything on those lines. Uh, you know, or it didn't really mean that right. we, you know, however they want to, but then what matters is, and then I love it. They never quote the first part of what Jesus says. The f- most important law is to love God yeah. with all your heart, soul, and strength. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So why go to scripture <laughs> to make the foundation of your claim when you've spent the majority of your time trying to, um, devalue its authority in the life of, of the follower of Jesus? Uh, I, I think, well, I trust and believe that Jesus would be gravely disappointed if we stand before him and say, we just wanted to be like you. And to do that, we, we know that you really didn't mean all that you said in your word. Um, so we took it upon ourselves to, to be the uh, arbiter of truth in that, in those regards. So I, I think it's honestly, it's quite confusing. Like, yes, it is for people reading this people, Christians and non-Christians alike. So you're telling me to be Christ-like. Okay, where do I learn to be Christ-like? Well, we'll read that part of the word, but then don't read anything else of it. It doesn't make any sense. Well, that's like saying that you could do this for anything. That's like saying if you're a writer, I want to be like this amazing writer, but I don't care about anything they wrote. I just want to be like that person. I mean, I don't know them. I don't know how they write, but I'm going to be like them, or I want to be this this athlete, and I really want to be like them, but... I don't, I don't really like how they play the game, but I want to be like them. Yeah. You know, it just, right. it doesn't even make sense. Doesn't it's make weird. Sense. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of, uh, 
that um, we got deconstructionism, mm-hmm. you know, where people are trying to uh, dismantle, um, you know, really any kind of literary work and then try to rebuild it to fit their own agenda. And that's exactly what I think Mr. Madison is trying to do. Uh, and it goes back to what uh, Johnny said at the beginning of this podcast. You know, in Genesis 3, you know, you know, the devil says, you know, did you really say? Did God really say? Yeah. Did, did God really say that? Yes, God did. He really, really said that. He, uh, he says what he means. He means what he says. You know, his thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. Um, we're, we're, we, who, um, who, who has been his counselor? Um, who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Like who? Like who are we? Um, you know, God gave us his word uh, that we might know him. He gave us the law that we might know sin. He gave us his word that we might know, uh, know God, that we might um, know his son, his, um, his, his death, burial, and resurrection. We might know these things because of God's word. Um, to say that, you know, parts of it don't count, um, just like my brother Aaron said, like, who, who gave you that authority to do so? Um, you know, it's either God's in control and uh, has all authority or he's not God at all. R.C. Sproul said that if, um, if even one molecule was somehow out of God's control, God ceases to be God. So magnify that by a million. That's God's word. Um, we don't get to add to or take away to um, to fit our own agendas, our own uh, desires. I, I I think one thing that I'd like to say, just in regards to, I see the reason for writing what he wrote. It's people who are being jerks under the name of Christ. That I think that's the reason why he's getting at what he's getting. Um, there's ultimately the ultimate purpose of affirming people in their sin, which is not cool, but it's not Christ-like. Yeah. <laughs> Both those things are not Christ-like. Yeah. And what we would say, and I, I want to point to the, the quote from the commentary you read today, Aaron, in, in the sermon on John 18, um, where you, you were uh, talking about when Peter out of zeal for Christ cuts off the, I mean, he's trying to cut off the head of the, servant of the high priest. And I, I love this quote. Um, you can probably tell me who said it. Cause I, I don't know, <laughs> but he, he says, nothing is more common than to defend under the cloak of zeal, everything that we do as if it were of no importance, whether God approved or not, what men supposed to be right, whose prudence is nothing else than mere vanity. I thought, wow, that is powerful because what we can say on the authority of God's word is it does matter what you do. You can't just say I'm zealous for Christ. And then act like a, an idiot and a jerk and be a terrible person to people. That's not Christ-like. Uh, and so it, it does matter what you do. Um, it, we want you to be zealous for Christ, but what you do in your zeal for Christ matters also. And so we would say, yes, don't be a, a jerk with no compassion, uh, with no mercy and grace. Have those things. Uh, but stand upon the truth of God's word to do those things. And then we can know what's right and wrong because we trust God's word. Um, and then on the flip side, we don't affirm people in their sin because we know that's the most unloving thing we could do. 
Uh, we want to be people of God's word who call people to repentance and faith in Jesus, just as we in our sin were called to do. And, and I think that's an important thing to say in regards to maybe the purpose of, of the article. Yeah. And, and he wraps it up here. We, we mentioned it, you know, he calls out certain groups that, uh, that he feels the, the Bible oppresses. And then he ends it with this, everything we think, say, and do should be filtered through this question. Is this, <laughs> is this the most Christ-like? <laughs> Only through the love of Christ can the religion of Christianity be saved. This is the ultimate truth of the Bible. So I, I think that, I think you're right, Johnny. I think it's, it's almost like, you know, don't be a jerk, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, it's okay. Your your sin is okay. It's it is kind of two sided. But I thought that was an interesting way to to end the article. Yeah, and we we would just say by what standard is being Christ like? What standard are you going on there, man? Because yeah, we we want to best love people the way we can. Which the best way to love people is with the love of Jesus. How do you find out how to do that? If <laughs> you just thrown away everything that you would use for the foundation for that, I think that's an important thing to ask. So we're wrapping this up, guys. Final thoughts um, on the article or or on you know our interpretation or just kind of a, a summary of what of what we've kind of discussed today. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to want to steal your thunder, Gary, but you know, it's not our words. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, can we just can we just hear Gary say go, it go ahead, one Gary. time? Not my words. Not my words. There it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, I don't, Bobby doesn't have the right. I don't have the right. None of us in this room, none of you, you know, both of you listening, none of you guys have the right to change what, what the word says to, to fit your agenda. And, and what I don't appreciate is, um, you know, obviously if we do this, we, we will repent of it. But I don't appreciate people saying that I'm, I'm bending the word all the while, while they're bending the word. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Don't tell me I'm guilty so I don't see your guilt. Um, I actually have a standard for judging truth, and that's the word of God, which you deny. So you give up a standard for truth, and you are relegated to abject um, foolishness. You have no standard. So don't come at me as if you do, right? So again, I mean, I think I'd, I'd only be rehashing what we've covered, and I think we've done a good job. I I pray of tearing this apart, but you know, how do you know what God says about marriage? Like, how do you know his goals? Why is it that the God you're okay with looks so much like you? If his ways are higher than our ways, there's going to be times when he rubs me raw. But if I find a God that he always agrees with me, that always, we always get along so easily and everything he gives, I just swallow easy, no problem, then I've likely created God in my own image. Yeah. And once again, that is a God who cannot save. So what we need is the God of the scriptures who we yield to. We don't come to him saying, this is who I am. I'm not giving this up, but I need some fire insurance, bro. You know, that's not how we come to the cross. We come as wretched, broken sinners, understanding that all we deserve is the hellfire that Jesus spoke most about. And understand that only by God's grace can we see our sin and our standing before Him. And we cry out to our Savior who is perfect and mighty to save, and He will save us. How do we know that, right? We go to the Scriptures. We go to the authority. We go to God's Word. Mm -hmm. Amen. Um, Two things. Um, 
one, just to kind of reiterate what, what my brother here is saying is, you know, just keep in mind, you know, there, this life is um, fleeting. And we will stand before a holy God someday. And know that at that time, all we have is Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. That's all you will have before an eternal, righteous, holy God is Jesus Christ. And the other thing is, like, I, I get in these, like, huge debates with people online, and I get deleted and, <laughs> and I'm blocked and all kinds of stuff. Um, but, um, you know, they always want to say, well, you believe in this wizard in the sky and that talks to snakes and all this kind of stuff. And I said, well, what's your standard of truth, brother? And next thing I know, I'm getting deleted. I'm getting blocked. I'm getting... Do you getting canceled? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because my standard of truth stands strong. It is the Word of God. It's not what I think. It's not what I... Um, it's not what I came up with. It's not... Uh, it is God's holy, inerrant, infallible Word. That is my standard of truth, and I pray that it's yours. Jesus is the Word of God, and as he said in Luke 24, uh, everything concerning the law and prophets that, that spoke of, they spoke of concerning him. It points to Jesus, and if Jesus found that to be quite important, we should too. And, and my final thoughts would be, if you don't like the Bible, you will not like Jesus. And in turn, if you love Jesus, you will love the Bible. Amen. I think that's where we need to understand is the word of God is so, so, so good. And it is a gracious gift. And when we open it, we're, we're literally reading God's word, God's inspired word. It's him speaking. And Jesus believed it. Jesus spoke it. And Jesus is the word of God. And if that's true, then... And if we love him, we will love God's word. Amen. Gentlemen, thank you very much uh, for today. Pastor Aaron, will you close us in prayer, please? Absolutely. Dearly Father, we thank you today for your word and, and for the gift of your word, revealing it to us, Father. That's, this isn't something that, that we brought about, that we created on our own, but it is what you have revealed to us. And Lord, we thank you that we understand what it means to sin against you, to, um, to fail you, to fall short of your glory. But we praise you for the glorious gospel that you have proclaimed through your word, that we proclaim to the nations actual hope, calling sinners who are lost and dead in their sins, calling them to life and repentance and what it means to actually live in truth with the standard of obedience, Lord, that you've laid out in sacred scripture. We thank you for your word. We thank you for that truth. May we walk in it. May we proclaim it. May you be glorified by our faithfulness in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on the EC Podcast. If you do not have a church family, you can join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 630 p.m. If you are outside the area, we encourage you to find a Bible-believing church for fellowship and worship. Until next time, God bless.